Kenny, the Sports Guy podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Kenny, the Sports Guy's podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Severa, and today is a special edition of Best Talk. Joining the show today is Paul R. Friedman. Mr. Friedman is known for his 22 years as a CBS TV executive. In addition, Paul has worked for both the CBS News and Entertainment Divisions in New York and Los Angeles. Most recently, while serving as vice president and creative director at CBS Marketing, he was responsible for the award-winning launch and continued marketing stewardship of the three most successful reality shows franchise in TV history, Survivor, The Amazing Race, and Big Brother. His new book, The Unexpected Danny Green, is now available at Amazon and is a terrific read. Please welcome to the show, Paul R. Freeman. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Kenny. Great to be here. Great to be with your listeners. Now you're in a, you're located in the sunny shores of Los Angeles. It has to be really good out there right now. Yes, I'm out here in Los Angeles, but I frequently go back and forth to New York. I still have my apartment on the Upper West Side. Oh, nice, nice, nice. So the first question I have for you today is, can you tell me about your career and how did your career get started? Well, it started at the bottom. A lot of people started that way. And uh, unfortunately or fortunately, that's how mine started. I started as a page at CBS, an usher, and I helped people find their seats in the audience uh, for various shows. And then I, I worked my way up to the mailroom, Kenny. I got in the mailroom, it was a lateral move that I, I, don't, uh, I don't encourage anybody to take, but it got me inside the building. And after that, I was able to meet some people and they gave me an opportunity. I always was a writer. I always worked on ideas and I got someone who took an interest in me, gave me an opportunity to write some promos. And that's how things got started at CBS. Oh, nice, nice. So you basically, it's just basically a success story where you started for the bottom and you just worked your way up. I guess, I guess that's what happened. But, you know, there's a lot of obstacles along the way and there's a lot of pitfalls because, uh, you know, I was working for this one guy. Next thing you know, he gets fired. So Ooh. I was out of a gig and uh, I always wanted to live in New York. I was based originally in Los Angeles and I moved to New York. Didn't have a gig, but I did have uh, I did have a resume tape, and I showed that around, and I got another job at CBS, and then I started doing uh, promos for uh, the the uh, I'm sorry, these were the soap operas back then. <laughs> As the world turns in Guiding Light, I initiated a campaign for those shows. That led because I was doing promos on a daily basis to an opportunity to work with the news division. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was there during a transition in the news department and did promos for them. Traveled with them, traveled to London, traveled to Washington, D.C., and was kind of a, a part of the news organization. Oh, that's actually really, really good. Wow. So can you tell me your experiences working at CBS? Yeah. Well, after, after the news division, there was a show in New York called Two on the Town, which was a local magazine program. And I was uh, hired on that show as a producer, coordinating producer of the broadcast and a segment producer. So we, this was probably one of the greatest experiences I ever could have had. I had a chance to travel all around New York City and all the, four, the, the five boroughs, excuse me, <laughs> and do stories that were about these individuals and about people and experiences and things that were happening in the boroughs. 
So this was this was like amazing. Uh, you know, I had a, a city map and I had a crew and we had hosts and we would go everywhere and talk to people, interview people and, and, and deal with interesting things that were going on in New York. Uh, the show unfortunately didn't last very long. And after it was over, I came back to LA. And that's when I got involved with uh, the promotion department in Los Angeles. And uh, back 20 years ago, a little show called Survivor emerged on the scene. Uh, a funny story about that. When I first, uh, the guy I was working with, he comes to my office and he goes, hey, what, do you, what would you say if we had a show where we just abandoned these people on a deserted island? We didn't give them any food. We didn't give them any shelter. And uh, once a week, we were going to eliminate one of them. And we go, wow, this kind of sounds Genius. like a fun summer show, right? Genius. Yeah, and we go, you know, at the time, it wasn't necessarily thought of as a genius because it, it wasn't a success yet. This is Survivor. It was a completely new concept. So we thought, yeah, it's like Robinson Crusoe, or it's like that New Yorker cartoon where you see some guys on a, on a deserted island with one palm tree. And we're just like, this is everybody's fantasy when they're a kid. What would I do if I were abandoned on a deserted island? How would I survive? How would I create an environment? How would I have civilization and, 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 and with other people? How would I survive? So we started this show and the first week we did very well. It was on a Wednesday night. This is the summer of 2000. It did well, but every week, Kenny, every week the audience grew. And every week we added millions and millions of viewers. And in 13 weeks by the finale on that summer, we had 55 million people tuning into Survivor. Wow, 55 million? Yeah, wow. yeah. That was in the span of 13 weeks. That's how that phenomenon grew. And it just, just was an explosion. And it launched, launched that franchise. And it, to this day, it's still going strong. So with the launch of Survivor, do you think Survivor helped influence other shows like Naked and Afraid? Um, other shows that deals with, you know, being dropped into nature and just fending for yourself? Absolutely. I mean, you can see the offshoot of that, The Amazing Race, which mm -hmm. was, I wouldn't say that it was just influenced by Survivor, but that's another show where you've got people who are just, they have to just do everything by their own wits. Yes. They're given a map, they're dropped into a foreign location where they don't speak the language, they don't necessarily have the same currency, but they have to survive, they have to perform, mm -hmm. and they have to move on. So uh, the amazing race is also, and also you see the dynamics between people under stressful situations. So yeah, I mean, originally, you know, Survivor, it's interesting. They were thinking about doing a narration over the show, explaining to people what's going on. And then when they started looking at what they had, they realized we don't need that. We just want the people themselves on the island or the people themselves on the amazing race to talk about what's going on. Cause that's the most interesting thing. As a viewer, you feel like you're the fly on the wall. Yeah, you feel like you're exactly. watching something and, and it's an unguarded moment. You're going, oh my God, look what's going on here. And you form your own opinion, as opposed to having a narrator tell you what the hell's going on. <laughs> it must be a pretty, pretty stressful, stressful job. <laughs> well, it, it, it's stressful for me. It's stressful for the contestants, certainly. For me, I get to sit in an office, but it's stressful in the fact that when you have something that becomes a success, you have to maintain that success. Mm -hmm. You have to build on it because as you know, in television, things, you know, 
things are things are very very uh, ephemeral. You, you have a success one day, and the next day the the audience goes elsewhere. You're only better than your last show. That's the whole old saying, right? That's right. That's what we used to say. We get our report card every every day. So, what was your favorite program to market? Well, let's see. There's there's a lot of them, I would say, but uh, one of them one of them that I really enjoyed working on, of course, is the Grammys. So, the Grammys is as as you know is a live live show, and on any given Grammy broadcast, there are. 13, 14, 15 live performances. And you, you just never know what's gonna happen. Uh, when, when Prince opened the show with Beyonce, that was the most thrilling moment. Madonna opened the show. Anytime there's, there's, this, there's, there's this such a rush. So the live event is amazing. But now consider this, how do you promote a show that doesn't exist yet? Cause it's a live show and we, and, and two months out, three weeks out, we've got to get the audience hyped about the show that hasn't been created yet. So that's, that's a real challenge. You know, you're, you're dealing with music videos, you're dealing with live performances from other shows that you're putting together and, and showing the audience how exciting that can be. It must be a lot of work considering that a lot of people watch your Grammys every year. And I, I could see why you're, that's what would be your favorite, uh, show the produce because you get to hang out with all of these celebrities all that stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm joking, yeah I'm no joking. once in a while once in a while you can once get in a while. To gang with celebrities <laughs> but you know they're busy they're busy they're busy rehearsing they have their own thing you know they're not maybe they're not always in 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 the, in the mood to just chit chat behind the scenes but for the most part you have extraordinarily professional people who understand the opportunity that the grammy gives them they totally get it. It's seen by two billion people around the world. Yes. So if you oh, have, if you're a performer, yeah, if you're a performer, yes. I mean, what what better platform than to perform on the Grammys? Because uh, I'll tell you one little story. When Ricky Martin first appeared on the Grammys, he people think he he did uh, he did La Vida Loca. No, he did yeah. Cup of Life or Cup of Gold, I think it was called. Mm -hmm. And he came on that show. He took such control of that. The next day, his record sold out in Salt Lake City. Wow. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you that he reached into, into Utah, of all places, with Utah. his Latin, <laughs> Latin American beat, and he took the whole place by storm. So we knew that he was going to be a superstar from that day on. Uh, if anyone gets a chance, I think you might be able to see uh, his performance on YouTube uh, or elsewhere. But uh, Ricky Martin became an overnight sensation. This is, of course, after he had already been a recording artist in, in Latin and South America. So let's uh, switch gears. So you have your own book out. It's right now is available on Amazon called The Unexpected Danny Green. How, this, how did this idea of this book came about? The book is about a boxer, a young man who comes from humble beginnings in Mississippi. He is born on the wrong side of the tracks, but to the right family. His mother is a grade school teacher. His father has an, uh, a lawnmower repair shop, but his father has this thirst for knowledge and he goes to the library, checks out books, history books, biographies, autobiographies about famous men and women, 
and how they were successful in their lives. So in his home at a very early age, there's an emphasis on education, on academics, but also on sports. He has an older brother and he and the older brother are very competitive. I don't know if you have a brother, I have one. Yes. Uh, we, we know that siblings can be very competitive with each other. Yep. And, <laughs> and we always, we, you know, especially if you're the younger brother, which I am, and Danny is. So one thing about Danny, it's called the unexpected Danny Green, because when his mother gives birth to his older brother, she has a difficult pregnancy. And the doctor says, I don't think you're going to have any more children. It's very, very disappointing. It's crushing to her and her husband, Joe. When they find out she's pregnant again, they are so happy, they're so thrilled. And when Danny comes into their life, he is the unexpected Danny Green. Yes. Subsequently in his life, so many things happened to him that are completely unexpected. He couldn't have anticipated. And as he matriculates upward, he gets to New York, they don't see this kid coming. He develops at a young age, an amazing, powerful left hook. He doesn't even know he has this skill until he starts working out. And this skill takes him to places like Madison Square Garden, the Olympics, and um, he has an amazing career as a boxer. Mm -hmm. But let's not forget, he also has that academic background and, and the emphasis on education. So he also knows how to express himself, which gets him into a other, other world in New York City. So who, what was the inspiration behind this uh, story? Or this is just an original story? It's an original story, yeah. I, I used to have a teacher and we would watch boxing together. So he educated me, he informed me, and he would say, watch for this, watch for that. And I started to learn, not that I'm a boxer, I have put the gloves on on occasion, uh, didn't like getting hit in the face. Uh, so I didn't really do that. I did it mostly for, for a workout. But mm -hmm. We used to watch boxing and I learned to understand and to sort of decipher what was going on, how momentum would shift, how somebody might have what they call in horse racing, cheap speed. He would win the early rounds, but he couldn't be successful in the late rounds, things like that. So I started being somewhat of a student of boxing, which, 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 which just always fascinated me. I mean, the mano a mano, two people in the ring and they go at it. And skill plays an incredible part, as you know, and talent plays tart, but heart, persistence, and guts play an extremely important part. So yeah. Danny is a conglomeration of a lot of sort of people that I, I've thought, I've watched, and um, he just kind of started talking to me. And when you're a writer and the character starts saying things, doing things, you let him go. And then if, if he takes you down an avenue you didn't want to go, you can rein him back. But I never, I never stop to let the, the experience that this character I've created wants to have. Yeah, because I could, re I could resonate to the story because when I was younger, I used to do a lot of boxing a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's like what Mike Tyson says, like you have a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And right. one day I got punched in the mouth and you know, everything changed for me, but in boxing, it just feels like it kind of represents how life is, but you just got to get back up. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I feel like this story yeah. can up to a lot of people out there because the world needs a little bit of hope out there right now. 
And I feel like with your story is going to provide a lot of hope to people that are in need. Well, I, that would be great. I mean, I, I set out to write an American hero. Mm -hmm. And he comes, as I said, he comes from humble beginnings. He faces obstacles. He's African-American. So he's going to encounter racism. But that's not the thrust of the book. He, he also encounters a lot of other obstacles, people who want to see, not see him succeed. He has a manager in New York and the guy is, is, is above board, but something happens to him and his partnership with guys who are a little more um, shady start to take, try and take control of Danny's career. Mm -hmm. So it's not the typical story of the mob gets involved at the beginning, but because of the business deal that his manager made, it puts Danny in a very compromised position with the guy who tries to run the organization. So you have, you have, these, you have him facing his own integrity, his own mortality. And um, you know, is he gonna be forced to fight when he doesn't wanna fight or when he's chosen not to because of the obligations that this mob guy has made? Those are some of the things that he experiences. And there's also, it takes place in the 80s, the 90s in New York, when, as you know, the town was in transition. Uh, there, was, there was a lot of things going on that weren't, that were kind of dangerous. So Danny, Danny experienced a lot of that and he has to overcome that. So where will people find your book? They'll find it at amazon.com. It's available on Kindle and you can also order a copy. And it's getting some great reviews. If you just go on there, you can read the first chapter. It's available for free. And then uh, you can read the reviews, which so far has gotten five stars from everyone who's read it. I'm very encouraged by it. I got to tell you one other quick thing. I've written a lot of stories and I've written a number of screenplays on spec through the years. And in that case, you have someone who reads it, goes to a producer, it goes to readers, people, people respond to it. That's half a dozen people, maybe a dozen people read it, two dozen people. But with a book such as this, I can't tell you how rewarding it is to have it out there and have people respond to it. I'm getting lots of very nice comments from people who were affected by his story, by his story, by his romance, and, and by the kind of person that he is. So I hope that people who do come away from this, they realize that we all have amazing potential within us. Mm -hmm. And like Danny, it's something that he has learned through opportunity and through other people and through persistence that he's able to exploit, develop and, and succeed with. So one last question, uh, what can people find you on social media, LinkedIn, et cetera? Yeah, I'm Paul R. Friedman at Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, uh, I think it's Paul Friedman. <laughs> There's a couple <laughs> of Paul Friedmans out there, but uh, they can find me there. Uh, they can email me uh, at specialvoices at yahoo.com. Mm -hmm. More than happy to, to chat with anybody and respond to their email. And uh, I, I'm, I'm out there. I'm out there to some extent, but I think, I think the book kind of speaks for itself, hopefully. Of course, so of if course. you get a chance to take a look at it, I think, I think you'll enjoy it. All right, then. So that's all the questions I have for you today. I want to thank you for being on the show. And again, uh, The Unexpected Danny Green is now available at Amazon.com and when Kindle. 
and other bookstores across the world. Yeah. Hey, you know, thank you, Kenny, for having me. Great questions. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. So you can find this episode on KenTheSportsGuy.com and Kenny the Sports Guy YouTube channel, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. In addition, head on over to my social media pages on Twitter at Kenny underscore sports, Instagram at Kenny Sports Guy one and TikTok at Kenny Sports Podcast. Until the next episode, see ya, and I hope you stay safe and healthy. the Sports Guy Podcast.